Hello, and welcome to the Corporate Pero Latinos podcast. This is your host, Sofia. For today's episode, I had the pleasure of having a conversation with Jorge Ferraez, a corporate Latino who immigrated to the U.S. from Mexico in hopes of expanding the success of his publication, Latino Leaders Magazine. Jorge started his career in Televisa, a huge TV network in Mexico, and a few years into that journey, he found himself making the decision to pursue his passion of working in media and entertainment alongside his business partner and brother, Raul. Jorge has now spent decades dedicated to telling the stories of successful Latinos and trying to help them advance in many areas. So with a mix of passion and hustle, he has become a successful businessman, leader, and publisher. And it was truly an honor to get to hear about his success story directly from him. I hope you all enjoy this episode. This is Jorge. Hi, Jorge, and welcome to the Corporate Pero Latinos podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and share a bit of your journey with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you, Sofia. It's my honor and my privilege to be with you and everybody who is listening to this podcast. So why don't we get started with you giving us an intro and, you know, just talk about where you reside, your name, your age, where you reside, what you do for a living, anything you want to tell us. Sure, sure. Well, my name is Jorge Ferraez. I am. Uh, I reside in Dallas, Texas, and from here, I uh, I lead or I operate uh, one of the most uh, relevant publications in the Latino or Hispanic market in the U.S. A magazine called Latino Leaders Magazine, and I've been doing this for the last twenty years. And previous to that, I I I, I had my business in Mexico also with publishing and some magazines there. But uh, these days, um, uh, my, my main mission is to edit uh, this magazine and, 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 and expose and publish uh, outstanding uh, stories of great leaders and, and, and role models for the entire community. And um, that's my passion also. And uh, I consider myself like a, a professional storyteller. So uh, that's what I do. That's amazing. I love that because I also feel like very passionate about, you know, our community and bringing them together and elevating them. So can you tell us a bit about your upbringing and how this shaped your whole professional career? Of course. Uh, well, uh, as I mentioned, I, I was born in, Mexi uh, in Mexico, in the city of Merida, in the state of Yucatan. And um Uh, my parents went to live in Mexico City, right, uh, like uh, five or six years later. Uh, I, have a, I have two siblings, one brother who is a year and a half younger than me and a sister who is six years younger than me. So I'm older, I'm the eldest child. And uh, well, ever since I was uh, a little kid, I love the, the performances and I love the uh, fact of storytelling and and talking and telling stories to people and to my parents and to my family. So um, I grew up, uh, in, you know, in the, uh, you know, typical middle class uh, Catholic uh, school education in Mexico City. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> my, my, my dad was an architect and, and he, 
he in periods of time he he had this small construction company that he devoted himself to to build houses and and buildings for other people and and my mom was uh, at the beginning was a housewife but then later when when we were like early teenage uh, teenagers uh, she started working as a uh, administrator and uh and uh she she loved to do that and, and so we grew up with those two examples and my dad was very creative and very passionate about his job and my mom was very very you know responsible and sense of duty and taught us you know a lot of the civic and and you know duties of anyone uh, like us so so i think that was a, a very solid base for me and my brother and sister to start uh, doing some things um then later on uh, i i wanted to I, i knew from the very beginning i knew that i was going to go into advertising or marketing or journalism or publishing something related to that uh you know of course i had my dreams of becoming a tv anchor or or like a like an interviewer or like a producer but you know uh, uh also you go by by uh, observing and taking opportunities that are presented to you and uh, one of those came in a big uh, television company in Mexico called Televisa and uh, at that time I was a student I was a college student and I I loved uh, the opportunity that has given to me to be like the entry level lowest possible employee uh, you know maybe helping to carry out things and 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 load trucks and things like that uh, producing telenovelas and i loved that job and and little by little during my five years there i i grew i grew on my position and i ended up producing uh uh soap operas and telenovelas for televisa on on location and some other uh, things uh related to to outside the studios and uh, that was a very fulfilling uh position for me and uh but but you know i i also wanted to have my own business and and have my own my own um adventure and i was starting talking to my brother uh who is uh, also at that time interested in in uh communication and mass communication he's he was also studying similar uh credits than me in a different university but we were doing kind of this the same majors and the same kind of uh, education so we were starting to talk about doing something together uh and and it happened when we started planning maybe uh an ad agency or you know uh, maybe an, a small regional uh, neighborhood newspaper newspaper or or magazine or publication and then suddenly one one of these uh, days my my boss in Televisa the general producer of the telenovelas that I was working uh, on uh calls me to his office and tells me uh well what are your plans and I said well I I am going to finish college in a couple of weeks I'm going to be graduating so I'll be happy to come here and 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 have more responsibilities and and maybe do more things and all that and all of a sudden he fired me and I said but but why i mean and he told me after after the shock passed <laughs> he told me well Jorge, i think i think you need to do something else 
big companies like Televisa are very are very ungrateful with employees that leave their talent and their careers with them. And I see that you are a very passionate young man. You have your own projects. You have your own, you know, ideas. And I think that you need to take a chance and go and and, and try to, to make them uh, reality and make them possible. I mean, if, if anything, you know, fails, I'll always be here and, and I can rehire you. But I think you should go and do something on yourself. And that conversation with my boss was really a pivotal moment for me because I realized that that I I I, I could leave the the uh, glamour of the TV production and and go and start a, a something that was going to be our own project. Uh, I I I finished it. I finished working with my brother on the idea of launching our own publication. And from there, 34 years later, we are still the same company. We have grown a lot and we have had, have a lot of fun and a lot of, a lot of satisfactions. So going back to when you started at Televisa, right? How did you even get that opportunity to start, you know, sort of as the helper in a way or like an inter like a paid intern and how did you manage to go up go up and rank at the Levisa? I think you know in life an important thing are connections and, and relationships. I happened to have some friends that that knew some people in Televisa and they told me that there there was like a program in which they would they would invite interns uh, to come and learn for like for six weeks, you know, all that it has to do with production. Of, of television and uh, they were off they were not offering these to the public it was just like a small group of people that were offered these so I was not offered but I went and asked and somehow a friend of a friend of another friend uh, told me well I can recommend you to someone that is you know, managing that program so I went with him I say you know I know that you have this program I, I just want to learn and uh, I don't care if you pay me or not, but I want to work here. And I think that I made some some uh, impact on this person. And mm -hmm. he told me, okay, I will put you inside the program and after six weeks, you'll be completed your program. So all of those six weeks, of course, were very interesting for me. I learned a lot. We were presented to everybody in inside Televisa and the production studios that were in, in, in the San Angel in Mexico. And then after six weeks, everything finished and uh, he, he calls me to his office and says, well, now you're free to go. Of course, you want, if you want to ask for, uh, I mean, if you want to stay here and work for someone, it's not anymore my responsibility, but you're free to, to go and talk to people. <laughs> to so, ask around yeah to ask around and i started doing precisely that i started asking around saying hey here i am i can work with you don't pay me i just want to learn i just want to be able to work here and um, you know like the the third or or fourth uh producer that i visited uh took me and said okay yeah come on let's go and let's start and that was my boss for like for five years in Televisa. Wow. The same one that fired you at the end? Yes, that's the same one. 
So do you think that if you hadn't had that conversation with your boss when he fired you, that you would have still ended up in publishing? Probably not. No, probably I would, I would followed a career in Televisa, following that glamour life and mm -hmm. trying to follow the steps of many people that at that time were luminaries of the TV production in Mexico, like Luis de Llano and Valentin Pimstein and Emilio La Rosa and Ernesto Alonso, all the producers. But you know what? Uh, most of those people are now in, in different paths and, and in different uh, um, situations. And the telenovela industry in Televisa is not anymore where it, uh, it used to be. So I probably would be disappointed. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I was a little girl when I lived in Mexico, but I very much remember watching a lot of novelas. Uh -huh. And, you know, they don't make them like they used to. Now, uh -huh. when I visit my, my family in Mexico, they'll be watching a novela and I'm like, what? They sometimes they'll just watch like the repetition of old ones because they do that now. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. It was a magical it was a magical time, and, and believe me, it made it made uh, many things for me. Not only the experience of producing, of producing a, a telenovela or a TV show that was very interesting in terms of being able to produce anything you want, right? Because mm -hmm. at some point, uh, TV production is a is a great school for whatever you want to do in media. Uh, if you want to go to to Broadway musicals, or you want to go to radio. Or you want to go to even even newspapers and magazine have have uh, a simple basic concept which is producing con content and you need a producer and you need a writer and you need a, a a story to tell or you need performers to to perform the story or writers and and, and so that's a little bit of what we started doing right after yeah that's an interesting world okay so then you started your own business with your brother uh, but you guys started in Mexico right and then you said after a few years you decided you wanted to expand the business and so you brought it to Texas to the U.S. Uh, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the reasoning behind that? I know you mentioned you both thought about taking it to Latin America but then you decided not to. Well the way we started Sofia was really very 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 basic. I mean, we didn't have any money. We didn't have any rich parents or uncles or family that could support uh, our our new idea, our new company. So, so we really sold whatever we could. I had like a photo camera that that my parents brought me bought me for school, and Raúl, my brother, was he had some savings of a little business of uh, of stationery that he that he started when he was at his uh, college. So with, with nothing really, my, my father landed us or let us use uh, a, a room within his, uh, the company that he was working at at that time. And we just had that room and a phone line. And that was what we started with. Then, then we started trying to go and, and sell in advance and design the, the publication and, and, and try to, you know, bring the, the first writers and the first interviews and articles. And it was little by little that we started putting together something that made sense and started, you know, uh, looking how to print it, 
printing, of course, is very expensive. So we had to kind of uh, look for a sponsor or someone that could trade some advertising in exchange of making a, 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 our magazine. And then we, we distributed our own magazine house by house, you know, every, every other Saturday we would go and, and hire, you know, a group of friends. And the only payment for them was to buy a, a good torta and a refresco <laughs> in a, in a local restaurant there. But little by little, we started, you know, publishing, but, you know, I think a big break came when we started making some good impressions on people that we started interviewing. And I remember one of those was a very famous anchor in Mexico that we interviewed. Uh, he was a radio anchor and he had a big, big radio show, a uh, news show in the morning. And, and, and we, we used to go with him and, and tell him our ideas and discuss our projects. And he was very, very supportive just in giving us advice and, and giving us his visions and opinions on what, what he would do if he were us. And, and, and suddenly uh, we, we started uh, this magazine about interviews with important people and we convinced him to participate and he said yes. And, and then he said, well, maybe I can ask a couple of other friends that are very important and famous that accept an interview with you. And, and we said, yeah, that would be great. And so he started opening a couple of doors for us. And then these other people opened another doors for us. And, 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 you know, uh, in a couple of months or something, we grew a very interesting uh, list of people that we wanted to interview. And although we couldn't interview all of them, uh, at least we, we were able to interview six or eight of them. And we published this very big magazine that looked more like a book, like a yearly edition of, a, of an interview book. And we loved it. And I think many people started loving these because... There were no such a publication in Mexico at that time with that design and with that uh, concept. Uh, there were books, but books are books, no photos, no, no. Other. <laughs> yeah. There are magazines and magazines are short and articles and, and things like that. But this was like a combination, it was like a very elegant book magazine. And, and uh, you know, the first time we wanted to do it every six months. And then uh, six months later, we edited the second one and the, the second one was more successful. We had more advertisers. We were able to go to advertising agencies and, and sell to them. And by the second year, we were editing one every three months. And in one of those editions, we wanted to publish uh, the story of the life of the biogra biography of the president of Mexico at that time, the current Mexican president, uh, which was Carlos Salinas de Gortari. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we, we, we managed to get some information and we managed to talk to some people that knew him. And, and we published this story about him. And, and that kind of uh, uh, got the attention of many other people. And then our magazine started to, to become every day more and more uh, knowledgeable. And then we, we took it to some stores and after a while, they were granting us access to, to a lot of important people. And, and we were editing those interviews and doing one of the things that we wanted since the beginning was to have a beautiful photography. We mm -hmm. wanted to say that photography and text was equally important. So what we were going to get from our 
our interview was not only a sensational and a outstanding story, but also a great uh, group of images of these people, images that would, that would talk by themselves. And, and that was one of the many first characteristics that still to this time uh, is, is, is preserved in our publications. You know, very high quality of photographs and, 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 and you know. Yeah, and like very captivating, right? So um, by doing that, we, we, we did a second attempt to do an interview, but this time real with the president of Mexico. At, at that time, me and, my, wow. me and my brother were fascinated with the politics and we were fascinated with the politicians in Mexico. That time, I, I, I guess, was one of the great moments of Mexico in, in history in terms of, of uh, the politicians that were, uh, you know, um, managing the country, the governors, the, the, the cabinet of the president. And this president was doing a lot of uh, good impressions uh, in the global, international um, arena. So we wanted to interview him. And they, you know, little by little, we, we started sending letters and going to see people and convincing one to open this door and then this door convincing them to until to, to make a long story short we ended up meeting with the one who was in charge of the press for the president and that was you know like a great thing and he told us well the president doesn't give interviews but if you do a, a good job of interviewing people around him i i i might be able to do something and get you like a couple of comments from the president or mm -hmm. something like that so we 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 got a letter uh from them saying that we were doing an article uh on an interview or about the press the, the president's life and and with that letter we started getting access to people very close to the president members of the cabinet uh his own uh, father his own brother uh his own brother-in-law uh some members of his family his sister uh, his wife. So, so by the end of, of the, the compilation of all these interviews and stories, we, we started writing uh, the article. They, they, I mean, I, I think these people at the, at the uh, government, at the, pres at the office of the president, they saw that they were doing a really good job. And really the only element that was missing from this story was a real conversation with the man itself. Mm -hmm. so, so we got that, uh, you know, uh, amazingly, we, we got invited by the president to go on a, on a trip with him. And we ended up having a, a couple of conversations with him, asking questions and, and, and asking comments. And from there, we, we built a good relationship with him. We met him like two or three times before, um, again, uh, before uh, editing this edition. And it was when it was uh, published, we were invited to make a presentation at the at his house, at the official residence at Los Pinos in, in mm -hmm. Mexico. And it was when our magazine was, you know, kind of started to to grow, and many people started, you know, it was put on the map because of that edition, um, for for to sort of say. And it was at that time when this president Carlos Salinas. Uh, on a final conversation that we had with him, he asked us, "So, so what are you going to do with your magazine? Are you going to are you going to grow it here in Mexico? Are you going to do it in some other countries?" And of course, my brother and I thought, "Well, uh, maybe you know, we already have the concept and it works here. We can replicate it in other 
countries in Latin America, like Colombia, like Peru, like like uh, Argentina. So we were discussing that and he suddenly stopped us and told us, I think that if you do that, you were going to be making a big mistake. And we said, why? And they said, you know, the future of Mexico is more linked to the north than to the south. So if, wow. yeah. if you, I mean, if you think, and this was 1994, okay? So he told us, if you see Mexico in 20 years from now, that would have been, you know, um, 94, 2004, 2014. Um, Mexico will be really integrated into North America. We will have a, a an economic, commer commercial treatment with Mexico, with the U.S. and Canada. We or all our our economy will be more linked to to the North. Uh, America treatment, a treat, uh, uh, you know, trade agreement than our partners with Latin America. So I would, I would say, just go to the U.S. and try to make something there. And that again was another conversation that was pivotal for me and my brother. We started thinking, say, well, he's right. Mm -hmm. So if we could make it here, maybe we could establish a good title of a publication in the United States. And that's when this whole world open to us. Wow, that's, you have such a great story, I think. And I love that a big part of it comes from, you know, having had these networks and these very pivotal conversations with people, because it's crazy to think how like your life would have ended up being had you not met that one person or had you not had that important conversation, right? Yeah, definitely. So what's it like working with your brother? You know, many people usually would advise you not to get into business with families. So I'd love for you to share what that partnership has been like, whether it's affected your relationship in a positive or negative way or both. Well, I think our case is a very interesting and maybe unique case that perhaps could not serve as a as an example because mm -hmm. i i agree with most people i mean trying to make business with your family is difficult uh priorities get mixed uh interests get mixed and uh and it's difficult it's difficult because uh sometimes you know emotions and things like that uh come into place and that mm -hmm. happened with with uh, us and our younger sister you know my younger sister is six years uh, younger than me, and she has made every single effort possible to join me and my brother, and and you know come and, and join the family business and, and 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 also be our partner and all that. And it's difficult. I mean, we I I have never seen a real possibility of doing that. But the case with my brother came because at some point in our lives we had to do it because we were navigating through you know very difficult times in our family and financial situations and we had to unite and we had to make like this on top uh deal in which we would help each other for the rest of our lives and this was like we were when we were like 
kids. I mean, not even. Yeah. Not even I'm kids. like, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so of course, when 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 we started going to the university and college and 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 we started looking for opportunities, I told him, well, let's get together. Let's try to make something. Let's let's get out of uh, of uh, our our little worlds and and let's try to do something transcendental that could be you know uh, an end to to many of the situations that we were having and 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 all that and i think we both understood it and and we started and and you know um, there's been in these 30 something years there's been a lot of uh times uh but i think in which we have you know had arguments and discussions but we have never discussed something that has or or would be a vital or a relevant aspect of our business. We have always fought and, and argumented on, on little things, right? Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but the main line of the philosophy behind the business and the respect that uh, I have for him and he has for me and that the different, you know, fields and, and, and realms that each of us has respected for each other inside the company, I think it's still working to this day. We have like two new projects this year uh, that we're working together, that we are not worked before. And and I think uh, that for me, that has been a very important uh, support, knowing that I have uh, a partner that is my brother, that is also one of my best friends, and, and we have supported each other in everything. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's doable and possible, but you do have to have that respect for one another, right? And to have that like clear goal or mentality as to what your mission is for your business or company. So your sister, you said she's tried to get into business with you both, but you just can't see that one happening. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, my... Yeah. my my sister, you know, is a, is a lovely sister. We love her very, very much. I love her very, very much. Um, she's a tremendous story also of success by herself. Uh, but, but you know, I, I, I need to say that I don't see how can we um, be as uh, close as I am with uh, Raul, my brother. No, in many senses. I, I think it's mm-hmm. maybe generation, is the age is the circumstances that we that we live together it's not it's not the same it's not that i don't trust her abilities or skills it's not that i mean he's he's demon she's demonstrated that she's very capable of doing even better things than me and, and raul maybe but but i don't know i mean this this bond that that me and raul have because of the difficulties and the circumstances that we lived when we were uh uh young uh, is something that you cannot do with uh, with others or with other or any other people, even if you want it. Yeah, no, that's understandable. I feel like even if you're not related, right? There are certain yeah. people who you just could never see yourself doing business with. Exactly. Yeah. So, what about your work life balance? Do you are you married? Do you have children? How do you manage? You know. Um, having this binational business and your with your personal life 
that's a that's a that's a question that has been uh, in my mind for for many years now because uh, you know the decisions that you make in life uh, affect the future uh, and in my case had affected not only uh, to have to to leave my country and to leave my family and to leave my friends mm-hmm. and come into a new country and start a new family and start new friends new relationships and and looking into the probability of of maybe uh, staying here, which is for me still uh, scary. But um, let me tell you, I mean, uh, I I have a my personality is like a never-ending, relentless character. Uh, I, I I I sometimes I hate myself for because uh, I mean for being like that because I just cannot be. I'm restless. I, I'm always trying to find something to do, always, you know, even on weekends when, when a Sunday is coming and, and, and everybody else wants to just lay down, watch a couple of movies and have some Chinese food and all that. I am the one inventing, uh, oh, I need to go to the supermarket and maybe cook because I cannot, I cannot be, you know, like, like uh, uh, in rest. So, so this this character of mine that is always, you know, is very stressful. Of course, uh, you know, it has a it has a good side, but it also has a, a bad side in which you are always stressed and always looking for doing something and getting and getting. You know, it, there's not a single day that I don't go home and in the elevator or in my car driving home, I said, well, what was my balance today? Uh, I was able to make some advance or not? And if I if I didn't I, I feel guilty but all in all one of my uh, one of my my dreams in life was to have a family and uh, which i was granted because uh i knew my wife in mexico city uh, just a couple of years before uh immigrating to the u.s with latino leaders magazine we met and 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 i said well maybe she is the one that that uh, I've been looking for for many years. I was like 36 or 37 years old, and I was contemplating the possibility of maybe moving to the U.S. by myself, uh, single. And that, of course, terrorized me. But, uh, but you know, I was just living uh, the reality that I have at that time. So I met Veronica, and, uh, and Im- immediately I felt that, you know, that, that thing that everybody... Uh, when you know, you know. Yes, when you know, you know. And, and we talked, and, 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 and she had experience in working in, in the U.S. also. At that time, she was coming to the U.S. every month because she was working in the retail. And um, uh, so we, we talked, and, and we said, well, if we, if we get married, and we can start a, a life in the U.S. and, and have kids there and all that and it, it was like a plan so so we got married and we never established home in mexico we we uh, we established home in here in, in dallas in, in texas and um came here and we had three children one uh, that is now 17 that was born in 2004 and the second one was born in 2007 and and the the last one a girl was born in 2010. So I I can say that I have uh, a very, you know, a, a dream come true when it comes to my family and my 
work-life uh, balance. I, I still think that I, I do a lot of things with my kids and my family. My wife is, is, um, is someone that you cannot get bored with because she's also studying uh, a doctorate in a local university here. And she's doing studies on social sciences. So uh, she reads a lot of books and we have a lot of discussions at dinner time on, on relevant and philosophical and political things. Uh, very interesting. And, and of course, I mean, what can I say about my kids? But I, I still think that I feel, although I feel proud of what I've been able to do, I still think that I, I haven't gotten into which I would, like, I would like to get with the publication here. There's still a lot of things to do, a lot of uh, uh, projects to, to start growing and, and, and to start, you know, uh, advancing more and faster. But I don't know if you uh, asked me about that or you want me to share more about my other activities. No, yeah. no that's, that's great to hear because when you have someone, you know, who's sort of a success story and who you imagine is so has such a busy life, sometimes living in the U.S., it's a lot harder, you know, to find that work-life balance. But it's really nice to hear that you have your dream family. You're not like divorced or estranged from your kids. It's what you dreamt of and you still have other goals. I was thinking when you were saying that you were restless and everything, I think a big part of that is our culture. You know, a lot of us immigrants or children of immigrants have that hustle mentality where if you're just resting doing nothing you kind of feel guilty right yeah yeah you you, you feel guilty and then, then you feel that you you will not get anywhere mm -hmm. and this there's this urgency of of performing and this urgency of not performing for others but but you know trying to get something for you and and for your family and for your your partners and and I think that sense of urgency will never will never go away. And I have interviewed, you know, hundreds of people uh, that have been that have been that have had very successful lives and professions and companies, and they are like the same. They are they are like never satisfied and never they never think that they have gotten into somewhere. And uh, I, this is not necessarily what makes you very happy, you know. Uh, at, at the end of the day, you would love to get to this place in which you say, well, I feel confident that I have arrived or I have, uh, you know, done best of myself and now I want to enjoy life. <laughs> but that, that moment never seems to come. Do you see a day or a moment when maybe in the recent past, you've thought about your goals and everything, right? Personal or professional. And do you see a moment where you would be able to say like, okay, I'm content with my life the way it is. I don't need to like break my back to grow even more or get better at this. No, the, the truth of the matter is that uh, with all, with all the uh, sad in my heart, I don't think that they will come for me because of my, because of my character and my personality. I think I will, I will die just working and doing things. Um, I, of course, maybe I will be able to take more time to do more fun things for me and more travel with my wife or my my family or more, you know, uh, you know, friends gatherings and, and, and things like that. But but I don't see myself just resting 
and 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 putting my head to just read and contemplate and and enjoy uh, conversations with people. Uh, I think I I I I can do that, but without necessarily having to stop working on something on something that I think is going to be productive. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's just who you are, your personality and everything, right? It it reminds me a little bit of my dad. He's also, you know, Mexican immigrant, uh-huh. works like really hard on the weekends and everything. But I mean, during the week, but then on the weekends, he also just like can't sit still. He yeah. has to be doing something or like starting some side hustle. And it's, you know, it's just a part of what was instilled in him growing up, too. So I get it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, after, I, I think I have been privileged in two ways. One is, you know, to have lived up until today with, you know, a healthy uh, condition in, in, in my company and be able to, to have the recognition that I have now. And, but also, I think I feel privileged in that my job um, included or, or meant to interview people that are admirable and are role models and examples of uh, leaders. And, and one of the things that I have learned is that that success moment never, never arrives in life. It is when you say, okay, I, I see a mountain uh, up in the distance, right? So I want to go on top of that, on top of that mountain. And you start walking. And as you, and as you walk, you discover that behind that, that summit there, there's another one that you didn't see before. So you say, well, uh, okay, I will have to keep walking until I pass this one and then climb the, the second one. And when you, when you are climbing the second one, you say, there's another more there and another more. And, and, and then you, you keep and you keep and you keep walking and, and trying to climb these mountains. And one day you, you, you maybe you take a moment to look back and you say, well, you know, I have walked a lot and I have walked. And I have climbed so many summits, although I haven't gotten when, where I want to be, but, but I have made a long distance. And, and I think that at that time or at that moment, you need to realize that you need to enjoy the, the, the moments while you are working for, for your goals and not wait for get your goals accomplished to enjoy the moments. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think it takes a lot of patience, right? Because we all just want the quick results. But I do agree with that. Living in the now, because you you never know what could happen tomorrow. Yeah. But I know we're running out of time. So I would just like to close it off with two more questions for you. Sure. Um, one being, if you could go back in time and do something different, personal or professional, what would you change and then share any advice that you would like to give any of the listeners who are either navigating their professional careers at the moment and might feel confused about what they really want to do with their life? Sure. Well, the first, the first part is difficult for me because I, I have thought sometimes, what would I have done different? And I don't think of anything that I would have done different. Maybe, maybe a little bit more of speaking out my opinions and my voice, especially when I was very young. I maybe, but I don't know if that was also part of my formation. 
<clears throat> I would, you know, I would say there's there's nothing that I remember that I would do different. Maybe maybe uh, being more supportive with other people, maybe uh, speaking out more on my own ideas, trying to be happier and a little bit more confident on the future. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and then on the advice, you know, my 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 concern with the new generations, Sophia, is that, and I see this in my kids and my kids' friends, is that the reality of our world and the society that we live in, especially in developed countries like the U.S. and and Europe and, and some other places and and some other communities in even in countries that are not fully developed like Mexico or Latin America, you have some segments of the community that that live with the privileges and live with the access to many things that other people in other countries have. And I think that my concern with these new generations is that no one has taught them how difficult things are. And technology and 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 the the, the world tells us that things are easy. I mean, things are, you know, easy to accomplish. And you want to start here. I mean, you go to this university and you will get uh, uh, this salary when you graduate. And that's going to be great. And and if you want to do this, you do that. And, that, and I think that at least my culture and my generation, we never had anything for granted. And let me tell you, I'm not coming for the real hard generations like, like, World War II and, and the revolution and things like that in Mexico that were really, really hard for people. I'm coming from the, you know, the, the, the end of the baby boomers generation, uh, the, 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 the uh, you know, the X generation that started, you know, kind of living, you know, into more into the future and global world and things like that. But still, still, you didn't, you, you, you had to walk the mile and you had to the read the entire thing before uh, before moving, and and I think that's something that I will like to give an advice. You need to you need to make your hours. It's like a like a airline uh, pilot. I mean, you don't have ten thousand hours of flight. It's difficult that you will be experienced enough to 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 be commanding an airplane in all circumstances. So I think that that people sometimes think that things will be easier and I don't think that are easier. Not not difficult either or more difficult than before. It's just the same. But but you need to work and you need to walk the mile and you need to to skip that lunch and you need to work that extra hour uh, to be able to have that opportunity that you will get and maybe maybe others uh, won't. Yeah, the hustle, right? I'm just thinking of this one quote um, that I heard, I think, in middle school, and I never forgot it. And it was like, um, talent, no, wait, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard enough. Exactly. And I remember, yeah, just being like, that's so true. And just looking at people, even in high school, right, you can see it in like sports or anything, like people who are just talented, but someone who's like killing themselves to get better and you mm -hmm. do see how at some point they might get better than the talented one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, for, for me, all, in all these years, the best advice that I have gotten from the interviews that I have made with thousands of leaders is determination. It's the most important factor 
that makes someone succeed. It's not education, it's not that you have money, it's not that you were poor, it's not that you were lucky, it's not that you were talented or very intelligent or a Steve Jobs or a, you know, a Bill Gates or a, a Elon Musk, it's that you are persistent. Yes, persistence is key. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so very much, Jorge, for sharing all your story and all these insights with us. I'm very glad that we had this conversation. I love hearing stories, especially from, you know, Mexican-American um, success stories. So thank you for your time. No, I really enjoyed the conversation. Sofia, you were a very, a very good uh, interviewer and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and you really made me uh, past uh, 51 minutes like if they were like 10 seconds so, so thank you very much and um, and I look forward to hear the podcast and and, and, and uh, listen to it yeah that's awesome thank you so much all right